So today we have our last full day of silence and practice. And although there are a few adjustments in the schedule that Narayan will speak about at the end of the sitting, I would encourage you to have a truly eventless day. We probably see how prone we are to be event makers and something special, something plucked out of the flow of phenomena that becomes an event. And, you know, to have an eventless day, nothing special, resting in the practice, resting, treasuring the silence. And on this day of a retreat, I I often think, you know, I often say that the first full day of the retreat is one of the most important days because it sets the tone for the whole of the retreat. I also feel like the last full day of the retreat is an equally important day because (coughs) this is where we're asked, I think, to take particular care of our minds, particular care of our hearts. You shouldn't be surprised some you might if you might find that there's a reappearance of the hindrance factors today. I find the hindrance factors very interesting, you know, because people often think of them as, you know, beginning retreat phenomena, you know, I fall asleep or I'm restless or I'm doubtful. But I think as I mentioned in my talk, these are so central to every emotional and psychological storm. And I often see, you know, in long-term practice when people are really settled and really deepening and suddenly there, you know, there's some insight or some shift arises, often the hindrance factors arise with it, saying, no way, you know. And for many people, of course, the experience that the hindrance factors really arise in, in times of transition in their life, you know. And that's a really interesting one as we make changes, how often transitions are accompanied by hindrance attacks. Now, we have to recognize these are habits, you know, and I think on the last day of a retreat, last full day of a retreat, we often see many of these habits arising. And this is a time to take care of them, you know, not some other time. This is so much of our practice is engaged in undoing the habitual nature of many of our psychological and emotional patterns and habits. And the, the hindrances are very interesting because they're both habitual reactions and they're, they're mental states and they're manifestations of some deep, more deeply embedded patterns. But I want you really to to be aware of how these might arise today. You know, the craving for sensual pleasure. Now, I don't think of that as a mental state. But the mental state underneath it is one of discontent. It's not okay here. You know, it's not enough in this moment. So my mind gets busy. And, you know, towards the end of a retreat, sometimes that craving for sensual pleasure takes the form of imagining catching up with all I've missed, you know, my comforts, my people I love, you know. And we start to imagine, you know, all of that, what's in the fridge and, you know, just the way the mind can go into just, oh, yeah, you know, and I'll stop on the way home, you know, and there's that... 
nobody's doing this, are they? <laughs> Taking this seriously, this is how our mind leans away from what is. This is how our mind leads away from is, postponing happiness. Postponing happiness into some future event, some future moment, dependent on, on comfort or pleasure. You might find the hindrance factor of aversion arising today. Again, it's interesting as a habit pattern, also as a mental state of contractedness, of you know, reactivity, of tension. But again, you know, it, it's, you know, this can arise in a lot of different ways towards the end of a retreat, you know, counting down the hours. If you've ever found yourself checking your watch during a sitting, isn't that interesting? You know, like, I, uh, like there's only three more minutes to go until there's another minute. Yeah, you know, and then that—that's a weird one, isn't it? Oh gosh, only five more minutes to go, and then I have another minute. Yeah, you know that that tendency to to you know oh, want this to be over, or of course for some here it's like I don't want to leave. You know, this is my safest place. This is my my home. You know, I don't want to enter into that world. You know, we might find the hindrance factor of restlessness and worry arising. You know, rehearsing, planning, um, you know, we're pre-planning our conversations, we're starting to think about, you know, how I'm going to take care of those 500 emails, or, you know, how I'm going to speak to that person in some brand new way, I've never spoken to them before, and (laughs) we start worrying about, you know, that rehearsal, that worrying, that restlessness. To be mindful of this today, really being aware of how the hindrance factors are dissociative factors. The dissociative factors and that they take us, the inclinations always to lean away from what is. We might find, probably, we might find some dullness simply because everything I've mentioned so far is so darn exhausting. It's so exhausting to be restless. It's so exhausting to be aversive. It's so exhausting to be in pursuit of a better moment. We might find doubt arising. We start doing a a kind of checklist of, you know, what I have or haven't gained from this retreat. You know, maybe I didn't get somewhere, you know. Maybe I didn't get what I was supposed to get, you know. Maybe I, it all passed me by, you know, that kind of doubt mechanism. What we really see is that hindrance factors and mental states, particularly more afflictive mental states, and Narayan was using that word last night, and the hindrances are certainly afflictive mental states, that they are productive, and they are productive in producing streams of thought that are very much aligned with the state of mind. Okay, So that's important today. If you start to see your mind gearing up, Start looking at what is the mood, the mental state, or the hindrance factor underneath that. You know, and and Pali has this wonderful word, many of you know it, um, papancha. It's one of those words that rolls off your tongue, you know, and it certainly rolls around in our minds. This is a proliferation of thinking 
rooted in underlying beliefs and patterns and views that distorts our capacity to see things as they actually are. That's why we use the word papancha, because that's such a mouthful. Hmm? But there's different threads of papancha, this kind of thought productivity, you know, that is rooted in mental states, you know, and one of them is craving-based papancha. You know, when you see those thought streams, you you might just check that out. You know, it's craving for something else, for something better, a better moment, the imagining. There's aversion-based papancha, which is certainly very recognizable, where we start building upon a mental state to almost justify the aversion or to reify it, and certainly it strengthens. Um, There's fear-based papancha, you know, the apprehensions about our lives, the apprehensions about ourselves, and all of the thinking that is produced on the basis of that. There's view-based papancha, where we start drawing conclusions, and, you know, we can have a lot of views um, about everything, almost, you know. Um, So we start kind of telling the story of our views. And then there's self-view-based papancha, the story of ourselves, and how we, that thought stream and that narrative gets built up and perpetuates and proliferates. And we just get so lost, I think, in the thoughts that we're not always spotting the kind of mood or the mind state that's underneath it. And this is what our practice is about. It's about being able to step back and step out of those familiar distress patterns, familiar distress habits. You know, and sometimes we perversely even have a kind of weird fondness for it, you know. It it, it almost kind of like, oh, yeah, what's the problem, you know. I'm just sitting here spinning my fantasies about tomorrow. We think, well, what's the problem? The problem is not necessarily the content. The problem is the habit. Because if we have that habit of not being so aware of our mind states, not being so able to meet these thought streams skillfully, you know, it, it... the pattern of papancha proliferation will seize upon anything. Not always the lovely, also the difficult. So we learn to have some sensitivity to what is actually going on here, particularly when the mind is in overdrive, you know, and, and sometimes the clues of these mind states and the clues of these hindrance patterns are, you know, fairly easy to pick up. We if we start to have a thought stream that has a a continuum of an emotional thread. You know, I've walked around for the last two hours, you know, complaining about everything. We might just pick up the idea that there's some aversive mind state happening. You know, sometimes the clues are in the body. You know, there's behavioral aspects to most of our mental states. You know, if there's agitation and restlessness, suddenly we're speeding up. You know, our eyes and our ears are hungry. We're we're just not able to rest. So very much, this is actually where we ask, well, what does this mind state need? You know, this is always a helpful question, is what does this need? You know, And this is what sati or mindfulness enables us to ask that question about what is it that helps us to restore or to return to this sense that this moment is enough, Everything is here that is needed. 
that we can actually return to settling, to investigating, to seeing, to meeting what is there with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And we're, we're learning to free ourselves from the, the grip of patterns. What is needed can be a big range, you know, and we've spoken about this, but it certainly begins with, you know, that willingness just to, to almost tune in, to, to listen inwardly to the story of our minds, the story of our bodies, the story of our hearts, and just, how are we just now? How are we just now? You know, and we know, actually, there's a sense of direction in this practice, you know, and it's not linear and it's not hierarchical, but there is a sense of direction in terms of brightness, spaciousness, calm abiding, equanimity, compassion, kindness, freedom inwardly. We know there's a direction in this practice. So we bring in our allies and we bring in our friends that really helps us to stay steady in that sense of direction, that sense of, of, of an inner knowing and an inner seeing. You know? So certainly we always bring mindfulness to places where there's no mindfulness. We bring sati to places that feel closed or just lost or confused. It's not so difficult to do that, you know. We remember and we stop and we pause and we feel ourselves in this moment touching the ground and being here. It's not so difficult. Sometimes I think, you know, the nature of many of our habit patterns is that they have a sort of amnesic quality, a quality, as I've mentioned this week, of forgetfulness. You know, we forget where we are. We forget we've ever been, felt any way other than how we feel right now. And part of sati is this remembering, ah, be here. Stop. Pause. Listen. We might be asked to bring in our friend of investigation, you know, to to really sense both somatically, experientially, what is the process here, rather again than the, the noun or the state, what's actually going on in the body, what's actually going on in the mind. We might actually find, you know, that there's this quality, this friend of virya, or, or it's sometimes translated as energy, but more accurately it's heroism or courage. Just that willingness to be steadfast and not to be swayed by the mental states, not to be swayed by that pa- the patterns, that willingness to really show up for ourselves in a very consistent way. You know, we have a wonderful container here to show up for, and we really get a sense of the moments when we get swayed and we get dissuaded and we get deterred, you know. Our mind says, you know, I, no, I, yeah, I've got something else to do. You know, never mind this sitting, walking business. You know, there's something else to do. Well, what we really are asked to do is to be present in our lives. This is what's most asked for us. We might, if, if the mind state we find is contracted, heavy, you know, let's make room for some joy. Let's see wholeheartedly. Let's listen wholeheartedly. Let's let's develop and, and, and grow that kind of sensitivity where we can be touched. 
to make room for joy. We may find that our greatest friend in the midst of the habit patterns is is calming, calming, calming the agitation, calming the busyness, calming the thinking. This again is a verb. It's not a state. It's, it's our willingness, you know, the Buddha always used the analogy, you know, that if you want a fire to keep burning, just keep throwing the logs on. You know? The logs are usually our thoughts, keeps the fires burning in terms of dwelling and preoccupation. If you want that fire to cool, just stop throwing the logs on. It takes some effort, it takes some discipline, you know, it takes some dedication calming, to kind of step back from the the surge of the impulses, the surge of the patterns. We may find that what's really important for us is to really cultivate a sense of balance in the midst of imbalance. What does that mean, to be upright, to be undeterred, to be equally near to everything that's going on, the lovely and the unlovely? You know, the art of this practice, you know, and again, you hear all this and you think, well, gosh, you know, I've got so much to do. But no, the, the size of the task is equal always to the size of the moment. Hmm? This moment that we're meeting, this moment that is present just now, this moment where we are, where we're able to ask, you know, we almost do a little check-in inwardly, what does this need for brightness, for clarity, for balance? And, you know, we do this in the midst of the most, please, the most often the moments of our lives where we feel most deterred and most imbalanced and most shaken and most doubtful, you know, and most aversive. This is actually where we practice, not in the most ideal moments of our mind or our life. This is where we practice, this is where we cultivate to return to this sense of groundedness and balance that is possible for each of us. So embracing this day of practice very fully, a a time of listening inwardly, a time of nurturing a sense of capacity, a time of of aliveness and wakefulness, um, and, and almost a celebration too. You know, we've been through many days. Many of you have been through many moments, some of them quite rocky, some of them quite easeful. And just, you know, almost celebrating that fact, well, here we are, still here, as Ramdas put it, you know, still here, still here, still showing up, you know, honoring that, appreciating that. And and just appreciating that sense of capacity. Okay, so let's take our seats. Just uh, settling into the body. Sensing, just a sensing with equanimity and curiosity, just how we are just now. How the body feels, touching the ground, the cushion, the chair. 
the internal life of our bodies, the process of our bodies, sensations arising, passing, moving, Checking in with the life, the landscape of our hearts, minds in this moment with equanimity, with curiosity, with kindness, whatever is present, whatever mood is present, whatever thoughts are present, just developing that simple knowing and meeting and befriending mindful of the sounds and the quietude around us sense of settling, settling into the body, the body sensing, the body listening, the body breathing, the simplicity of it all, just settling amidst the complexity this being here, being wakeful,
So it's snowing. (laughs) When I um, took my little trip from where I live and came here, just a very short little trip by the pond, I was was interested to see that there's ice fishing happening, that there were all these very big people um, out on the ice, and I was thinking, well, they must know that it's solid enough. Yeah, so... Anyway, I wanted to let you know that tomorrow things should be good. So if you are feeling, you know, oh no, I'm never going to get out of here. With our journey home tomorrow, um, the weather should be fine. So just to let you know that. I'd like to ask you to recommit today to silence, to not talking to anybody whatsoever. I mean, other than the times when we are asking you to talk to recommit to taking the day moment by moment, which is what we've been practicing already. And I'd also like to ask you to recommit to refraining from any kind of electronic communication. I did notice that not all that many of you um, uh, gave your phone in. So, just to be very aware that we're not leaving until we leave, you know, and to spend the day-to-day with this sense of, I don't know, remembering the preciousness of being here together in this room, to remember that it's very possible, whatever your mind state is right now, that you will miss being here in a couple of days. You will think, ah, I wish I were on retreat. It's very, very possible. It's just the way our minds work. We're off retreat, we want to be on retreat. We're on retreat, we want to be off retreat. It's just this way of the mind somehow being somewhat contrary. So to recognize a wonderful day together with the friendly embrace of what is mostly going to be silence, but as well sometimes of talking too, there are the two um, optional groups with Madeline this morning. One is at 9.15, and it's in M200, and it's with group A and B, and if you forget if you're A or B, it's on the board. And then there is another group in the um, second walking time, which is at uh, 10.45, and we've added group C and D, and that will be in the welcome room. These groups are optional. So your names will be up there if, um, if you're invited to these groups. There's also a group for women of color, which is in the welcome room at 9.15. And there are two, there are a number of small groups this afternoon, um, peer groups, which there's no reason to even think about or be concerned about or certainly not to worry about. We'll give you instructions for these groups later in the day. And um, if you could be sure, I mean, we really, really want you to come to every single sitting today, really not to miss any of the sits or any of the non-events that are happening throughout the day, to really be stable and steady with the schedule today. And definitely please to come to the 11.30 sitting. There'll be a short Donna talk at about 11.45 during that sit. There is also the manager's talk at 4.15 that we'd like to ask everyone to come to. And um, 
And then we gather in the meditation hall here at 7.15 tonight. But the idea is that there, you know, there is a bit of change today. Can we be fluid and steady within these changes, not making them loom any bigger than they are and taking the day moment by moment? That's really the key to rest in the here and now, 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 now. All right. So, any confusions or questions? No? Okay, good. All right. So, either a group or moving into the walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.